Hello and welcome to the Inspire Group podcast. I'm Aidan Stoat and I'm joined by none other than Inspire Group's very own national people partner, Shiza Wan, today. How are you doing, Shiz? I'm good, thank you. Thanks for having me. Thanks for joining. Um, and I have a bit of a brief description to introduce you. Uh, crazy dog person, recently discovered the joys of cricket, owner of a concerning number of white sneakers, passionate about animal welfare. On the more professional front, Shiza brings over 13 years experience in talent acquisition and recruitment, predominantly within the fields of finance, HR, and of course, learning and development. Been with Inspire Group for around four years and uh, is responsible for leading Inspire Assist uh, across all of New Zealand now. So, um, Shais, how would you describe what you do here at Inspire Group? Um, so, thanks, Aidan. Thanks for the great intro. Um, so, my role is people partner, and that means that I work with clients across New Zealand um, in terms of learning what their resourcing needs are from a learning and development perspective, and I help them resource those um, talent gaps within their teams or projects. Nice. Okay. And um, one of the questions I was really keen to ask you was considering all of the change that we've been through internationally in the last few months, how would you describe the state of the market now compared to say 12 months ago? Um, I think it's quite funny because when we were first talking about doing this podcast, um, we were all back to level one, weren't we? Mm. And here we are again, level three for Auckland and level two for the rest of New Zealand. Um, I think that when we went back to level one, well, let's, start, let, let's do it like this. There's two really different markets that we're talking about here. So we're talking about Wellington mm. and we're talking about Auckland. During first level of lockdown and coming out of it, um, what I saw, particularly from a learning and development perspective, was that they weren't that. It, it what the Wellington market wasn't really affected. Mm. Um, we were very fortunate that we had clients that were more than happy to um, keep major projects kept going. So there was mm. nothing that that was necessarily cancelled or you know, put on hold or, or whatnot. Auckland was quite a different story. Um, we did have a handful of projects that did that did go ahead, but um, a lot were either cancelled or, or put on hold. Mm. And as a result of that, um, the remaining few couple of weeks coming out of level, you know, in level one, I think the Auckland market started to in a way, get back to normal or business as usual, mm. but things have kind of got back to square one again. Yeah, yeah. That's an interesting insight. And, and I suppose <clears throat> as we're recording this, we're, what, a week back into level three lockdown in Auckland, um, level two for the rest of the country. What are you seeing at the moment in terms of where where the industry is at? What, what are you hearing from clients? Um, what are you hearing from some of your associates about, you know, what the, what the immediate future kind of looks like for our industry? 
There's a lot of work definitely around uh, the digitizing of learning. You know? mm. um, there's a lot more work in pro and projects on online learning, moving any face-to-face -face learning to online, virtual. Um, a lot of the projects now, in a way, are clients are a lot, are a lot more considered and deliberate in, in the learning that they do put out. And a lot of it, they do put into perspective the new world that we are working in. So um, how do we, you know, how do we deliver this for our workforce that's working flexibly, mm -hmm. working from home? And, and there's also a lot of work around people engagement as well. How do mm -hmm. we keep our workforce engaged? How do we look after their well-being? Mm -hmm. um, and also around leadership. So how do we yeah. prepare our leaders to uh, lead and motivate a new, a, a new type of workforce as well? Yeah, yeah. No, that's, that's a really good point. And, you know, I think that sort of reflects the conversations we've been having in Auckland with some of our clients around what are the kind of skills and capabilities that, that leaders need to be able mm -hmm. to support their teams through this transition. Um, and it's sort of takes me back to the initial kind of conversations we were having around future of work. It feels a little bit like that process has accelerated and, and the future of work or all of the skills that we kind of associated with that uh, are actually happening now. Yes. And a, lum a number of the organizations that we're talking to um, have kind of seen COVID as a bit of a catalyst for accelerating some of those development programs around, you know, how do we, how do we upskill leaders? How do we upskill our wider organization to be better equipped to handle all of this uncertainty and ambiguity that we're, you know, we're experiencing. Do you see much difference in this lockdown compared to the first one in terms of the conversations that you're having with organizations in New Zealand and, and some of the contractors that, that work with them? What I'm seeing for this time around, particularly for the Wellington market, is that um, some of our government clients um, have decided to put a cap on um, bringing on new contractors mm. or temporary hires. Um, so there is quite a bit of that. Um, Auckland, the feedback I'm getting is very, very similar to when uh, we first went into lockdown a few months ago. Yeah, so a little bit of uncertainty. One, yeah, the one constant thing I'm seeing though is work around compliance. I mean that mm. there's a lot of work going on around there, and whether that's you know within um, banking, financial services, and other industries, that's definitely been a constant, and that ne hasn't necessarily been affected by what's going on around us. Mm interesting okay so thinking about i suppose some of the industry sectors that are probably most buoyant at the moment or um you know perhaps are not necessarily immune to to any sort of economic fallout from from covid but the ones that still have a commitment to deliver projects what sort of things are you seeing there in terms of sort of industry sectors or, or verticals Ooh, that's a hard one to say. I mean, um, I had someone comment to me the other day that um, at the moment, the only 
real projects are ones that are responding to COVID-19. Yeah. Yeah. You know, um, if someone's talking to you about a project around that, around the response and whatnot, then that's a definite. Mm. Um, any projects around the, whether it's systems or change or, um, you know, anything relating to human skills, that's sort of like a 50-50. Mm. It could go ahead or it could be cancelled or it could be canned. So I think, I, I don't know if it's necessarily industry, but I think it's more around what the actual project is around yeah. and what the learning is actually on. Yeah. Yeah, that, that, that makes total sense. And, yeah. and, and just coming back to your point, around you know what what the market looks like now compared to what it looked like a year ago yeah what does the the, the current skill set of an effective l d contractor need to be now compared to a year ago yeah has, it, has anything changed um, yeah definitely um i wouldn't say what we were working on, the projects that we were working on this time last year, I would say that the amount was fairly the same. Mm. It's only the types of projects that we're working on are very, very different. You mm. know, 12 months ago, it was all about systems. It was all about change. It was all about compliance. It was all about, you know, in, induction, onboarding, mm. anything and everything, really. Um, this time round, like I said, a lot of it is around um, responding to COVID and how we work mm. in a post-COVID world, um, whether that's from a systems process or people right. perspective. Um, and, uh, and the skills are definitely more on the digital, online, virtual mm. okay. side of things. Um, there's a big, big need, even now, it always has been around, you know, communication, stakeholder management, yeah. but when you're not in the same location and everything's being done online or, or, or virtually, there's, there's an even more massive need for that. Uh, that's something, something that you can bring. Yeah. So if I'm, if I'm thinking about L&D contracting, um, it's my discipline. It's something that, um, you know, I want to explore as I suppose a career option, you know, if I'm, um, thinking about changing roles or I'm thinking about the types of projects where my skills could be utilized, what sort of things do I need to be thinking about? How would I, how would I best sort of approach market opportunities at the moment? It's a talent-rich market, as everyone knows. Mm. I think what will really set someone apart is, um, you know, definitely their, their, their reputation in the market. Mm. Um, their past project, and particularly portfolio. Mm. Um, you know, it's, I think, in, in a market where it's very, uh, you know, the, the, there's contracts and projects left, right and centre, people are quite fortunate to be able to just go from one contract to another. 
but now is the time where you can actually sit back and think, okay, what can I do to set myself apart? Mm. And, you know, I'm seeing a lot of clients now say, can I have a look at their past projects? Do they have a portfolio? What can they, what can they show me? And what can they bring to the table as well? That's, um, that's different. So we're getting more clients saying, if I'm going to outsource this piece of work, if I'm going to bring on a consultant or an associate, I want them to bring something different that my internal team can't bring. Right. I want them to bring ideas and, you know, how do we approach this? Things that my team might not be able to, mm. to think of or, or, or um, design. Yeah, right. Okay. And I guess that comes back to your point around kind of the skills that are needed in the here and now, you know, much more around that sort of digital learning design, virtual learning design, and maybe some, some quite unique and innovative vision yes. around, you know, what's really going to shift an organization away from some of those traditional models of learning design yeah. and delivery. Um, what's really going to complement my team in terms of the skills that I don't currently have. Um, and that's as much around technical capability as it probably is around mindset and attitude, I'm, I'm guessing. Yes, you're right. And when you say it's a, it's a candidate-rich market, um, what do you see within that, that sort of environment that could potentially present challenges for clients? Because I, I, I guess often the the mistake you can make as a hiring organization is perceiving the market to be an easy one to acquire talent because there's a lot of people available for that type of work. But sometimes that brings inherent challenges in terms of the quality of your recruitment process, um, you know, how effective your, um, your interviewing and your onboarding is, um, almost a time management and a sort of prioritization component too, because you may have too many applications for um, a role or, you know, a, a contract opportunity. So what are some of the things that you think organizations need to be aware of, even in the context of a candidate rich market? We need to be really clear about the role and the responsibility um, the role that that person is going to play mm. in your project, what you want them to deliver, um, what that will look like, and how they will, and how that role will sit within the team. Mm. A learning designer is a learning designer, right? And um, but everyone's got a very different style as well. So I think one that really aligns with your organization's language and vision and style. Mm. Um, and in particular, the learning and the messaging and the change of behaviors that you want to put out to, to your organization and your people. I think that's important. So there has to be a real strong alignment with um, your organization, your organization's values, um, and how that falls into the learning that you want to deliver. Yeah. Yeah. Nice. And from a, you know, from a perspective on the client side, um, it's being quite 
like you say, conscientious about the cultural fit and the skills alignment, um, but also being really deliberate about the the profile of the individual or teams that you need um, and how they're actually going to be able to deliver on those learning objectives or on that particular project or implementation. It's really, really hard to, um, to answer this question, I know, so it's more just to sort of get your insights. But if we were to fast forward six months, what do you think the market could potentially look like then with everything that's happening now around transformation, um, you know, evolution of learning towards this more digital and virtual environment? it's hard to say but you know i've been in recruitment for like 14 years and i've gone through and you know i've been through um financial downturns and mm. change of governments and and whatnot and there is a lot of talk about how different will the market look like and and all of that but from what i've seen and from my experience personally it doesn't really change mm. you know um we'll get back to level one and um There'll be a sigh and a sense of relief and then people start to look back at what projects have we put on hold and you know what do we need to do and and, and gradually things will get back to normal again mm. and that did happen when we got back to level one across the country mm. and I, I believe that that will most likely happen again. It's reassuring to hear that insight even though it's um, difficult to say <laughs> <laughs> it's hard. It is. It is, isn't it? Like, I mean, it's it's easy for me to say, right? But for, you know, for our friends in learning and development who are looking for that next contract and that and that next project, I know it's 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 hard. Yeah, yeah. It's hard, but you know, it's you just gotta wait it out, and 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 I know that the market will. Mm. We'll, we'll, we'll get back to we'll get back to normal again now what that will look like going forward in terms of the type of or the arrangements that clients will um look at is a different story i mean mm. i don't know I, you know um it could be that there'll be more opportunities in fixed term arrangements right okay. rather than bringing on contractors mm. or you know we've had um, quite a large number of organizations that have made their um, full-time permanent staff redundant. Mm. Does that mean that going forward, they will only bring on uh, contractors for yeah. certain projects for a certain period of time with a fixed budget, all of that kind of stuff. Mm. Um, that's, there's a whole lot of options there. There's been instances where, you know, um, organizations have made permanent staff redundant and then, you know, a few months later, there's been another recruitment drive to bring on more yeah. permanent people. So yeah. that's, it's kind of like a wait and see. Yeah. But at the end of the day, learning needs to be done. Mm. I'm just um, interested as well to get your thoughts on this whole notion of, of flexible working. And mm -hmm. it seems at least with organisations that I've been talking with in, in recent months that adapting to this new flexible way of working has been in some ways a challenge um, from a from a culture transition perspective in other ways a great opportunity 
to kind of remove inefficiencies around whether that's travel or whether that's cost associated with having people in the same place for training interventions. What do you think are some of the benefits of flexible working? If we think about the New Zealand context, what are some of the benefits that you perceive as a result of people not having to be in the same physical environment to do their work? Um, that's a good question. Um, and it is a good point to bring up because I think before COVID happened, you know, we did still have a, um, we did still have clients whose preference was to have someone work on site mm. in the office, you know, Monday to Friday, eight to five or, or whatever. So um, that definitely limited the talent that they were able to access, depending on what kind of work or, or you know, projects they had on. Um, we could have had an, a really, we could have had a really awesome learning designer who probably would have been able to, you know, do about 30, 35 hours a week, mm. um, probably half of that in the office mm. and the rest from home within their own time. Yeah, so that was kind of a bit of a hurdle prior mm. to COVID. Now, of course, everyone's got no choice. Um, so that's really the, the benefit of that for our clients is that, that it's really opened up a whole new level of talent for them. Mm. And it's allowed them to, I guess, um, be more efficient in, in what their expectations are from an associate during the day. And being able to trust in the associate and yeah. go, right, we've agreed on, on what you need to do. Um, these are your deliverables. Go ahead and do it in your own time. And that's a great benefit for our associates as well, because yeah. it's very normal for our associates to be working on two, three different projects at the same time. They can balance their hours and their work lives and how they want to work. And some of them design their best outside of office. Yeah. Hours, you know? yeah. um, so it's the best of both, both worlds. Clients get uh, associates that, that they have access to as is needed and they get some amazing you know learning design work from it mm. does that answer your question it does. Yeah, no, it, it's it, it's it's interesting isn't it I, I think those benefits when you kind of call them out that way are um are fantastic and you know it's always um challenging to find positives in a uh, in a highly impacted market and you know in situations where people have been thrown into you know significant uncertainty um and where you know the the, the commentary at least generally speaking seems to be about sort of quite detrimental economic impact so to find those positives and to to see where there's actually great opportunity to capitalize on in this market i think is is a really important reflection I'm just going to ask you finally, Chais, because we're nearly at the end of, of our time today, but is there any advice that you would offer anyone working within the New Zealand learning and development market from insights that you've gained over recent months, you know, whether they would be thinking about hiring learning and development contractors for their team or whether they are contractors themselves looking for that next opportunity? Is there anything um, that you would offer as a sort of final insight or, or piece of advice to them? 
for those that are um, in a in a situation where they're thinking about what next, mm. there's always been chats with people who have had an interest in, in going contracting, going freelancing. Um, and they always say, you know, th there's always a bit of a fear of that uncertainty when you make that leap into, into the freelancing contracting world. Mm. Um, there's never really like a right or wrong answer. You really have to, you know, because some people motivators is financial, others it's for the work-life balance and, you know, or the diversity and working with different clients and different projects. Um, there's always risks, there's pros and cons really. Mm. Um, but if you really are serious about going into freelancing or, or contracting, I think um, you need to have, you know, you need to make sure that you've got a really strong portfolio, um, something that you can, you, you can show to potential clients. Yeah. Um, um, you've got to be a real passionate and you've got to really talk about what, you know, um, how you designed it, um, what your process was as well. Yeah you know, how you went about, um, there's a, there's a lot of collaboration and you're working with, with a lot of different, you know, subject matter experts and whatnot. So how you manage those as well, how you manage expectations, pretty much your process really. Yeah. I think particularly if you're starting out to, to be a bit flexible about what your first opportunity or what your first project yeah. is. Yeah. Um, no project is, too small or, or no project is too basic mm. you know whatever whatever it is that 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 can help you build your portfolio nice. and also don't forget about your achievements as well that you've done when you were in a permanent role yeah. when you when you were in your in your full-time role and get some really strong um references yeah or people that you can um uh you know that you can connect with within the learning and development network i think particularly you know in the learning world it is a bit of a village isn't it everyone mm. everyone. everyone looks out for everyone from what i've seen um if someone's already on a project they are more than likely to refer mm. someone in their learning and development net network as well so you know i guess putting yourself out there yeah. You know, some people are quite are quite lucky in the sense that their reputation and their name speaks for itself. So they mm. don't really need to do a much of much of that. To have that success, you gotta you've gotta kind of put yourself out there as well. Yeah, yeah, nice. I think that's great advice. Or you know, you can always come and talk to me and we can <laughs> work something out. <laughs> Absolutely. Um, uh, yeah, and, and for clients as well, you know, it, it's hard to say because every client's got their own situation yeah. going on and their own needs and requirements and um, restrictions or whatever it is that they have to factor into during mm. these times. But I think like we discussed earlier, it's, it's, it's really thinking about what or where the priorities are. Yeah. Um, what learning is really needed and what's, what learning is really essential for their people. Yeah and then what the resourcing for that would look like yeah yeah okay and that and, depends on a lot of factors and also to come and talk to you oh yeah and then, and they can come and talk to me too <laughs> fantastic well look that pretty much brings us to time today shies um 
thanks so much for your insights and reflections. I know that um, those listening will will gain valuable insight from from what you've shared, and um, I think quite in, encouraging what you've shared too, just around your perception of the market, what you're seeing, what you're hearing, and what you feel. You know, without without um, using too much of the crystal ball, what you feel might um, be happening over the next sort of six months or so. Um, and of course, you know, that, that changes by the day at the moment, it seems. Um, but some, some really great reflections there, um, you know, which I think will be, will be hugely valuable. So thanks for sharing that with us. You've been listening to uh, the Inspire Group podcast. We'll be back soon with another episode for you to enjoy. In the meantime, stay safe, stay well. Thanks for listening.